Henshin Inspection presents Going Ultra! This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Going Ultra. Visit mjmunoz.com slash gu for notes and links, and don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help me grow. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I have the audio uh, feed live on Google Podcasts and iTunes as well as the uh, RSS. So look forward to that. This episode of Going Ultra, I'm going to be discussing uh, Ultraman Z, Episode 5, First Juggling. And except for looking at the uh, comments of the uh, on the video, I wouldn't really know what that means, but I kind of do what it, know what it means. But uh, I'm going to be pretty soft on it. I'm going to say, I'm going to try to make this a quick review. I'm going to say that I really liked the episode, which is absolutely true. It was a lot of fun. There was uh, some interesting things going on. And uh, seeing the turn of Hibikura to being this quasi-villainous guy or this villainous guy is interesting. Uh, probably the most interesting thing to me about it is that he turned to villainy because he's bored, it seems, and that he cloned the uh, Z-Riser. So <laughs> he has his red Z-Riser clone that he's... Uh, pulling monsters that were featured in uh, The Absolute Conspiracy. He's pulling their powers into it, making you know, monster metals, um, kind of by begging and pleading with the darkness uh, to get those uh, powers. And I, he made it sound like he's been uh, wielding... He's been able to wield the powers of darkness before, and like this is a return to form for him. So I find that to be pretty interesting. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, it looks like he was in a previous show, but... Maybe Orb, but I don't know for sure. Anyway, um, but that's uh, that's pretty neat, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, but it just it strikes me as odd that the Z-Riser has been cloned by Hibikura and also by uh, the Scavenger. And I'm kind of interested to see what happens between the two of them. Will they form an alliance? Will they fight against each other? Uh, what exactly is going to happen? I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the show's vague about it. It's not being definitive at all. And I'm not bothered by that. It's just, uh, it's kind of interesting that you have two uh, individuals who both are going to be causing trouble for the heroes of the show uh, and going about it by different means. And that's a slightly more complex uh, setup for a story than I'm used to seeing from uh, Tokusatsu. I guess uh, if I think back on Kamen Rider O's or on Lupot or... I can't really think of anything else, although I have heard that um, Operation Overdrive copied from uh, from Bokenger that there are like three different villain factions, and I guess two, and I haven't seen Bokenger, that's why I'm not calling it up specifically, um, but in addition to Bokenger, there was a, oh gosh, Megaforce, the one that got turned into the Angels, there was the like four different groups of villains, and one guy went from group to group to group as the series proceeded, anyway, um, whatever that one was called, with the cards, um, all I know is they scanned cards uh, into like a big, you know, idle face thing. Anyway, um, so, you know, that's, you know, pretty interesting. It's it's nuanced. I I like the fact that there's these multiple villain groups. I don't know, you know, what they're going to be doing, but I do find the pros prospect interesting. So that's, uh, you know, that's cool. Um, we'll have to see where that develops. Uh, I thought it was really neat that we get this constant switching off between Yuko and and Haruki as far as who's going to pilot. Although I did find it kind of strange that they sent out uh, Wyndham instead of uh, Sevenger right away, 
but I guess the uh, the logic is that if Sevenger is an inferior model, then you would send out uh, Wyndham to address all more higher functioning monsters, or uh, you know, you, you'd send them out first, Wyndham out first, because it's a more um, it's a more of a sure bet that you're going to win by using Wyndham than if you use Sevenger. So strategically, you would want to deploy it first, and I thought that was interesting. Um, what I found, you know, more compelling, though, was that after uh, Yuko had been defeated, that Haruko, I'm sorry, that Haruki went out and, uh, you know, he broke protocol or whatever, as, you know, Hibikura mentions at the end of the episode, and he did that to, you know, save her, and that, um, you know, he was able to be kind of crafty and ingenious, and uh, I, you know what, <laughs> I've had a hard time remembering now how exactly he got the Z-Riser back, but he did, uh, and, you know, he was cleverly able to do some stuff that really helped uh, her, you know, get out of the frozen cockpit and helped him to be able to free her when uh, when Sevenger was done. But uh, gosh, how did? Oh, I guess Juggler came back and gave him gave him the uh, the Z Riser, didn't he? After he'd copied it. So I I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know because I don't know what um, Juggler's motives are. I can't really say or Hibikura's motives. I should say I can't really say how I find that. Like if it's it's kind of frustrating in shows if it's not done well when the villain lets the hero win or lets them you know have their power set back or whatever but sometimes it makes a lot of sense and sometimes it's a good thing so if juggler's just looking for excitement i guess i could see uh if he wants to have a, a different type of power to explore that power and utilize it in a in an interesting novel way that is you know exciting to him i guess i could see that being part of of the appeal of giving the power over to Haruki again. Um, but I guess, I guess, I don't know, is he something akin to an ultra? And that's why he could like see the equipment because, you know, no humans are supposed to be able to see, you know, things that are made out of ultra metals and whatnot. So I would assume that the, uh, the Z riser is made out of ultra metals, not just the, you know, carrying case or whatever that Haruki has on his belt. So that's kind of interesting, but I guess, you know, if he's a monster or whatever, uh, that would give him a pass. And that would make sense. And it would also make sense as to uh, the fact that he whispered to uh, Haruki in, I think, the second episode when he was fighting him to help him uh, get over the issue with the... Uh, what's it called? To get over the issue with the... What was it? Oh, the invisible monster. Yeah, there was that invisible monster that he helped him, uh, you know, figure out how to fight against and not be, you know, tricked out by it by him trusting his instincts and trusting his eyes or his ears and his other senses, uh, and not just relying on, um, <laughs> not just relying on his eyes. So anyway, uh, you know, it's now it's more obvious that he knew who he was. He knew he was, you know, the ultra or becoming the ultra because, uh, you know, there's something different about him, something special about him being, you know, whatever type of alien he is or, or monster he is. So that's kind of neat. Um, what else? I mean, other, other than the fact that that, you know, kind of makes sense of something, I'm not sure exactly what to say. Uh, I thought that, that, uh, Z Lance was pretty cool. Um, I wonder who that ultra is. Is that Ultraman Noah, uh, who is mentioned in like the seventh episode or so of the original series? Who knows? Could have been any number of other ultras who were passing by and fighting, you know, kaiju or, or uh, you know, evil aliens on the planet. And, uh, just kind of neat. I like that they mentioned Inuit legend or Inuit myth or whatever. Uh, and that the Lance was found in Alaska 
And that's just kind of a fun detail that they're, you know, letting it be so international, letting it be, you know, something that's happening around the world. And there's like an American division of, you know, storage as well uh, that we got exposed to in the other episode. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else to say. Uh, I liked it. It was fun. Uh, I'll be curious to see exactly what Juggler does and how he develops as a character and what Hippocur is doing. And I want, uh, I want the scavenger guy to come back in here and, uh, not necessarily make things more exciting, but do some cool stuff. Um, just real quick before I go, there was some really neat stuff, uh, more cool heads of display stuff we got to see, you know, the, the Kai, the Kaiju was like, um, blasting Yuko and you get to see it through her screen, uh, in Wyndham. And then, uh, I, I thought it was strange at first, the way that, uh, Haruki positioned Sevenger as it was running out of battery with its arm kind of propped up, uh, kneeling. And it was so that he could activate the rocket punch at some point. Um, which I don't know if it was on remote or if it was, uh, you know, set by proximity or how that exactly functioned, but that was pretty cool. And, uh, I liked how, as the rocket punch went out, it like dropped down first and the propulsion took, um, took over and it ended up, you know, evening out its path and then hitting the target. That was pretty cool. And then the scene where, uh, the kaiju whose name I have written down, oh, Peguila, uh, or Pegu, Peguila? No, Peguila, probably. Peguila makes sense. Anyway, when Peguila was, uh, um, flying around and, uh, Z was chasing after him, it was a really cool scene because of the, the way the cameras was positioned at Z's back and watching him fly around and getting to fall. It felt almost like, uh, in Iron Man, some of the flying scenes in the first Iron Man movie, how, like, cool those were and how, you know, realistic they were. Um, that was a lot of fun. And even there was one scene where Haruki's running around and he's got the camera, uh, like I think it's mounted to that AR-15 or whatever he's carrying. Um, and it's pointing up at him as he's running. Uh, that was pretty cool. It was a little disorienting. Uh, just, it was very much, you know, shaky cam, but, uh, yeah, they did a good job with that overall. And I really love all the, the neat stuff that they're doing. In fact, um, there was something else really neat that they did where it was when Peguila, uh, came into, you know, Japan, Tokyo, whatever, and he did an ice blast that knocked over some cars. They did this super cool thing inside of a car. The camera was inside of a car as it got flipped around, and then that <laughs> Peguila ends up stepping on and crushing that car as well, and it blows up, uh, you know, under the weight of his stomp. And uh, that was super cool. I loved that. Uh, I loved that crazy camera work. And uh, it was funny. I was just reading something last night. I guess it was last night. I don't know. Last night or yesterday about uh, Subaraya and how. Oh, it was a video. Oh, I gotta, I'll put a link to the video. I don't remember the guy's name. It's like Nuva something or other. He talks about a bunch of kaiju stuff. Has Godzilla and like some uh, Evangelion stuff on his channel too. Um, anyway, so he was talking about uh, Shin Ultraman and some other stuff. But anyway, I, I watched something about like, kind of like the case for Ultraman or does Ultraman hold up? Something like that. Like I said, I'll have it linked in the description um, and over on mpmuniers.com. Uh, so... You're going to have to uh, go ahead and check that out if you want to see it. I'll, I'll leave the link in the video description as well. And then, of course, you know, in the show notes uh, for episode five of, or six of uh, Going Ultra or Henshin Inspection Presents Going Ultra. So anyway, um, it was cool. He was talking about how Subaraya apparently liked to be kind of playful and some of the effects would be, you know, bad because he would do things like for fun. The example he brought up was specifically a horse puppet being used in a scene in something that he did as opposed to doing a miniature or a toy or, or like a real horse or whatever. And then like compositing it in or whatever, like he was like, Hey, let's do a horse puppet. It'll be funny. Let's do it like this. It'll make me laugh. Um, which is kind of, uh, interesting, kind of a, 
quirky and I like that. And I wonder if those quirks carry through or how much of those quirks carry through into, you know, these modern shows. Um, cause like Hibby Kerr at the end of the episode, like turns to the camera and, uh, there's just some interesting details, uh, interesting things that are done stylistically that I find to be pretty interesting. Um, one last thing before I go is I really liked the fact that, uh, Haruki at one point, he's, you know, feeling very much like giving up, but he's, you know, hearing, uh, Yuko and she's talking about how she swears she'll save everyone and how, um, you know, this is her job and, you know, she's going to do her job to the best of her ability. And, uh, Haruki talks to, uh, to Z, I think, but like, oh, she's such a professional. I'm like, I want to be that professional too. And, uh, like, that's what motivates him to, to keep going and to keep trying. And I thought that was pretty cool. It, it comes off a little weird, uh, thinking, uh, you know, the, you know, someone's profession is saving people's lives. But then again, I mean, that's what, uh, <clears throat> so-called first responders are anyway. So, uh, I guess it kind of makes sense, uh, regardless of how you might feel about, you know, how complicated that, that whole thing can be. But, um, I don't know. I thought there was, uh, I thought it was interesting and I, I thought it was cool that he's like drawing all this inspiration from her. And I like the fact that there's the two pilots and it does kind of remind me of Evangelion where, you know, the different Ava pilots like kind of egged each other on and encouraged each other and like caused each other to step up and perform, uh, you know, to the, to a greater extent, uh, than they might have if they were alone. And I think that's really cool. Uh, that's something, uh, it feels very fresh and different, even though I'm saying it reminds me of Evangelion that was in 96 and then in the early two thousands. So that's, you know, almost 20 years ago, you know, if you're just going by Western stuff, um, and, or, you know, a U.S. release and it's, uh, you know, over 20 years ago, uh, if you're going by, you know, Japan standards or, or the, you know, the Japan timeline, uh, which makes sense being that this show is from Japan for a Japanese audience primarily. So, uh, that's all I have to say. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I'm going to ask again that you check out mgmunius.com uh, slash GU for the, uh, for the show. And like I said, uh, Henshin section presents the, uh, iTunes and Google, uh, podcasts link should be live there as well. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, uh, go ahead and check out my MeWe. There's a link for it in the description and the show notes as well. And, uh, you can check it out there. I'm posting some cool gifts. Uh, I'm going to get a gif of the car flipping and this rocket punch. I did a, the rocket punch from the last episode too. I made a little gif and, uh, shared it over there and just, you know, in a little Ultraman group cause it's so cool. So anyway, um, check that out and check out all my writing, all my, uh, all my work that I'm doing over at mgmunios.com. I would appreciate that. And, uh, until next time, uh, ne until next time, folks, take care. I leave you with peace and blessings. And I remind you that it, you don't have to shout henshin to be a hero.